0: Welcome to the Feather Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. All right, good morning, everyone, or afternoon or evening, whenever you're listening to the Feather Desert. This is our second episode of Birding by Ear in the Southwest. I'm very excited about this one. So once again, this is going to be an interactive episode. So take a moment to get your ID guard, not ID guard, I'm sorry, ID guide.
1: (laughs) You threw me there for me. Oh, yes. Uh,
0: (laughs) Or open up your phone app, and Cheryl and I are going to discuss five birds that are commonly found in the Southwest and listen to their calls. So to become an expert birder, one of the things you have to do is master recognizing birds by sound, and that's what this podcast will hopefully help you do. And Cheryl's going to start us off.
1: Yes, I have the first bird we're going to uh, listen to is the Anna's hummingbird. So we're going to start off with one of our smallest residents of the Southwest. And that, again, is the Anna's hummingbird. So let's take a moment to find this delightful bird in your ID guide while we play the male's song. The Anna's hummingbird is uh, 3.5 to 4 inches um, in length. The male's vibrant throat and head feathers appear pinkish red in the correct light. Both males and females have emerald green feathers on the back, tail, and wings with a whitish belly and underparts. The female has a small patch of pinkish red feathers on the throat. The Anna's hummingbird. Birds are found year-round along the coast of Washington, Oregon, and California, and inland through Southern California and the southern half of Arizona. They're here Mm 24-7, 12 months out of the year. Yep. They are found in a variety of habitats. They're very adaptable, including mountains, deserts, and coastal environments. And you can attract these beauties to your yard by planting native plants, such as chuparosa, penstemon did you do that right yes <laughs> or a mexican honeysuckle using hummingbird feeders with four parts water to one part refined white sugar solution is another way to attract them to your yard as well and kirsten has my favorite bird
0: yes our second bird is the aberts towhee. So flip through your ID guard, oh my gosh, ID guard is what it's going to be for this whole podcast, I apologize, ID guide uh, to find this desert bird so you can look at it as we play this call. This is a gray-brown bird with a black face and pale gray bill. They have a long tail and rusty brown underparts near the base of the tail. The Ebert's towhee is in the sparrow family and are most often seen on the ground in low brush where they can easily hide. Now, the reason one of these is our favorite bird is these are local residents found right here in Arizona and almost nowhere else. They tend to prefer desert riparian areas and desert washes with scrubby plants that grow close to the ground. Which really sounds like our almost entire state in the southern half. (laughs) (laughs) To attract these tohis to your yard, use mealworms spread on the ground or in a garden pot that you don't mind if they dig in a little because they'll dig in it. Yes, they will. You can place your mealworms in a low-hanging dish or tray with a nice ledge, and they may frequent this as well. They also like to scratch for seeds on the ground, and you can see them visit your feeding area under your seed feeder or your cylinder feeder, which is really how I end up feeding mine most of the time, is whatever falls on the ground, that's what attracts them. So if you use a mix with just a bit of millet in it that'll fall on the ground or shelled sunflower seeds, they will truly love it. Yeah,
1: mine, mine replant my wildflowers. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> they're very good at disturbing the earth because they're yeah. digging for uh, insects. That's why the mealworms are a great one to offer them. That's why they're so cute. All right, now Cheryl's oh going to talk about gosh, my this. favorite guy. All yes,
1: right. so I have the verdin. Yes, I love the verdin. Our third bird is the verdin. Take a moment to find this small bird in your ID guide while we play this. The verdin is a small bird. It's only half, wow, a half an inch larger than the Anna's hummingbird. Males and females look the same with a yellow face, throat, and head. White epilepsy on the wings, gray back.
0: Oh, no, they're red epaulets.
1: Red epaulets. Epa- I'm sorry. On the wings, gray back, and light gray underpants. I got to the gray back and I go, wait, that did sound right. Yeah. So thank you, <laughs> excuse me. The verdon is a resident of the desert southwest living in Southern California to the extreme, south, extreme Southern Nevada through Arizona to Central Texas down to Central Mexico. It favors desert scrub habitat and is often found along washes. Its favorite tree is the Palo Verde. It loves fairy duster bushes, too. Ah, good. Um, there's nectar and insects in there. You can attract this bird to your yard by offering fruits such as orange halves, yes, in a simple cup feeder. You may see them on your hummingbird feeder, hopping around, or hanging upside down picking at the crushed sugar left on the feeder from evaporation. In winter, bark butter smeared on your tree near a small branch may also tempt them to your yard. So I have a camping story. Can I stick it in here? Sure. All right. So we recently went camping um, down in Tucson just for a short time, four days. Not that that's part of the story. But um, I thought I'd get a lot of hummingbirds because I always put out hummingbird feeders. This is a campground we visited before. Mm-hmm. I did not. I want you to know that the only birds that visited my hummingbird feeders were the Gila woodpecker and the verdant. Well, and the verdant actually, because I use those little four-inch, um, or four-inch hummingbird feeders. Right, the little the, small ones, the one. little mm-hmm. small saucer ones. They actually use their little tongue, and they will take nectar out. If oh you wow! keep it full, I haven't yes. seen that. Yes, I was like. Oh my gosh, are you doing what I think you're doing? With, through my binoculars? And wow. Beer. And they tweeted and tweeted and just visited those feeders to get a little sip. Well, nice. Yeah,
0: yeah I've never seen them actually drink the nectar. They've just mostly been eating the crusties. And that's yeah. what I thought. And that's what most books say about them is that they don't actually drink the nectar. They eat the crusties. But hey,
1: they were very cool. Yeah. That's well, exciting. I think it, the um, Halo Woodpeckers were helping because they tipped...
0: Oh, yeah, and they it, probably were able to know, get a little from right side, yeah, on around the, the right porthole there. there or something, yeah.
1: But the first day, I got three black, uh, not black, three Costas hummingbirds, mm. and those are the only hummingbirds I saw for four days, but I had every day. Like on the hour, you could set your clock by it, the Gila woodpeckers. And the well, that's cool. But that was, that was just so cute.
0: Also, a note on Verdin for those of you who are gardeners, they also like to eat aphids. Yes. They are great aphid eaters. So yes. if you're not using pesticides in your garden, which of course we do encourage that, then uh, the verdant will also be attracted and eat your little aphids, which is a great way to bring wildlife in your yard and be a sustainable gardener.
1: They're always on my rosebush.
0: All right. So our fourth bird that we're going to talk about is a a stranger bird to find here in our area, but it's the great egret. And that takes us to the riparian area of the Southwest. You can find this dapper water bird right now. Take a moment. I really like the way this guy looks um, and listen to their call. So this is actually a common bird at the Gilbert Riparian area. For any of you who have visited it, if you have not and you are in our area, please do take a turn around that area because it is really great. Or any lake or river that flows through Arizona, you are most likely going to see a great egret. So they are historically a migratory bird, but with the establishment of many of the man-made water areas that we have now in our southwest desert area, they've become a full-time resident. So they're a tall bird with a long neck and long yellow beak and black legs. They are covered in snowy white feathers, and the males grow long, fluffy feathers during breeding season. And actually, to find out a little bit more about those fluffy feathers and how it almost cost them their lives, check out our first episode of Extraordinary or Groundbreaking Women of Ornithology. And we talk all about how these guys helped actually start the Audubon Society. So with the great egret, um, you can't really attract these guys to your yard. I would not recommend that unless you want to put in a pond and stock it with fish that you don't mind them eating. (laughs) Yeah. Which some people might be interested in doing. But keep in mind, they're going to eat that. So don't put any expensive koi in there. Just put (laughs) some regular old goldfish in there or something. And you might be able to attract them to their yard. But... Like I said, you can visit them at the Gilbert Riparian area or the Salt River or any lakes that we have around here, and you're going to run into a great egret. Yeah.
1: All right. So um, I have, uh, it's the fifth bird, right? It's the
0: fifth bird, yes. I was off on my count. I apologize.
1: (laughs) Kirsten's trying to confuse me too early in the morning (laughs) because that's when we're doing this podcast. So I have the greater roadrunner. The Greater Roadrunner is one of the Southwest's most well-known and unique birds. You um, Find them in your ID guide as we play two vocals that these birds produce. A Roadrunner is 20 to 24 inches long and 10 to 12 inches tall. They have long legs for running as they are mostly ground dwelling bird, a ground dwelling bird. Um, Their body um, from head to tail is covered in mottled gray, white, and black feathers that are perfect for camouflage. The head has a crest that can be raised or lowered as the birds will. At the bird's will, which they do when, they're, when it's um, attention, when they're mm-hmm. paying attention to something, like they're listening. And they patch a bare skin behind the eye that is orange, colored orange and blue. The tail is long, often as long as the bird's body. The greater roadrunners are found from southern California to the plains of Oklahoma and down into central Mexico. I didn't realize the range was that.
0: Yeah, it's actually um, quite a lot bigger. Yeah, I'm. I grew up in Texas, and when we would go into the West Texas area for vacation, because I was more in Central Texas, we would see them there. Wow,
1: that's pretty cool. They are most often found in open area, open arid habitats such as desert scrub areas chaparral savannas and open forest edges you can offer mealworms to attract these amazing birds to your yard whether uh, alive or dried there is other food you can offer to attract these roadrunners to your yard but you should not they do like bark butter bits
0: yeah bark butter bits i didn't um put in here that would be an okay one to offer for sure
1: Um, Many people think it's okay to offer them hamburger meat or steak, but that is not good for their health or their survival. And if you just want to see Kirsten get a little um, (laughs) red in the face, just tell her that that's what you're doing. The meat we offer is too fatty for them and can cause high cholesterol and other internal problems. These pieces of meat are often missing the most important ingredient in the Roadrunners diets, which is the bones of the animal that they've, uh, they will ingest. Roadrunners eat their prey whole and the small bones they are able to digest provide them with much needed calcium. And remember, if you attract roadrunners to your yard, they are hunters. Yes, they are. And they will kill your lizards and eat them. They will get your small birds and they will raid uh, nests for eggs. These birds are better admired from afar on a hike or just passing through. If you're not interested in seeing the circle of life played out in your backyard, that's (laughs) That's very well put, very well put. I do
0: love a greater roadrunner though.
1: Yes. And they're all over the Phoenix Zoo. So if you ever just want to take a nice morning walk and see um, our native uh, birds, you can go to the Phoenix Zoo. The roadrunners are there.
0: Well, both of us hope that you enjoyed our second installment of Birding by Ear in the Southwest. There will be more episodes to come. Um, I also want to thank Macaulay Library at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, who allowed us to use the bird song, uh, with special mention of Paul Marvin and Rose Ann Rallet, who recorded the Great Egret, the Greater Roadrunner, and the Abert's Toehee. Also, Nate Peterson, who recorded the Anna's Hummingbird, and Stephen Chase, who recorded the verdin. And we're going to pause one moment before we sign off and remind you that in April, we're starting to get into our breeding and nesting season here in the Arizonas, and the Arizonas, like there's more than one, here in Arizona and the Southwest. And we want you to revisit one of our podcasts from last year to remind you how we should be interacting with our fledglings once they start coming out of the nest. And that is don't touch the baby bird. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, please take a moment to do that so that you're a little bit more informed about how the birds go from egg to nestlings to fledglings and then how we should be interacting with them at that time. Thanks, everybody.